Hello and welcome back to the Future Work Life podcast. My name is Ollie Henderson and I've got another great episode for you today. My guest is Andy Ayim. He's an angel investor and founder of the Angel Investing School, which teaches professionals from all backgrounds how to begin investing in startups. Its mission is to get women and people of colour onto the cap tables of the world's best performing startups. Andy grew up in Tottenham, which is just around the corner from me, and after starting his career as a management consultant, he then moved to Silicon Valley in 2015, where he worked as a product manager in tech. When he returned to London, he'd made the decision to follow his true purpose in life, which is reducing the barriers for founders from unexpected places and backgrounds to access funding and support, and his contribution was recognised in 2020 with an MBE awarded to him by the Queen for services to diversity in the technology industry. Andy and I had never met before this recording, but he's a lovely and fascinating guy. And after about 10 minutes, I felt like we'd known each other for years. So we discussed how having kids changes your perspective on work and life and the importance of networks and community in providing support and opportunities to founders. We also talked about how Andy helps the founders he works with access capital and build relationships with people who can help them on their journey. Plus, why he feels like this is his calling. Andy and I also had a conversation about the type of topic I really love. He explained how he journals, including collecting insights on what he calls his tracker every day to help him record significant events and emotions. This provides him with what he calls his external memory and provides an amazing resource for new ideas as he spots connections between patterns of behaviour and thinking. Um, it resonates with me so much because I've got a similar practice which I do every evening, although he's far more organised than me. He uses Notion to categorise all the different topics, so I'm exploring how to do that as well. So cheers, Andy. Now, I love this chat. I'm sure you will too. I'll put links to Andy's LinkedIn profile and the Angel Investment School in the show notes, along with links to the Future Work Life newsletter and website. Last thing, just a reminder, my new book, Work Life Flywheel, is now available to pre-order. To get your copies sorted early doors, I'll put an Amazon link in the show notes too. The book features my thoughts on the opportunities presented by changes at work and how we can take advantage of them. And Andy will, of course, be featuring. So let's get on with it. Andy and I were having an interesting chat before the interview started for real. So I just press record, which is why you hear me talking first. Enjoy. I ran a business for 10 years and I would speak at industry events and all that kind of thing. But I was a terrible networker. Like I hated mm. going up to people and shaking hands. And I was also really bad generally at trying to reach out to people and build those sort of relationships. But I've just completely changed. As soon as I read something that I think is interesting that someone's written or heard them speak about something or just see they have something interesting within their business, I just contact them and say, oh, I like the sound of what you're doing. You fancy a chat. And it's amazing how many new connections well, what, what you've clicked, What clicked for you? What was that, that aha moment? Or like, yeah, how do you click into game? I'm always interested in what nudges and shifts behavior. In yeah. So I remember not long after I'd done the deal to get out of my last business, and I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I knew I, I had six months, I had a six-month non-compete clause in my deal. So I knew I couldn't really do anything related to digital advertising for six months. So it was either, well, you hang on and do something like that in six months' time or just do something entirely different. So mm-hmm. I met up with a friend of mine who had been through a similar process, and he said one thing, which was document what you're going through because he had sold one business, done it all again, sold that business, and he couldn't he couldn't piece together what had happened when because you have, sort of your memory distorts things, doesn't it? Mm. So he said you should write it down. So I'd literally that day I went home, having not really written very much since I was at school, really, you know, 
barely writing emails and that kind of thing. Yeah, of and I just started dumping down on my thoughts. <laughs> and then I started thoughts, why not just share it? I put it on Medium and no one reads it anyway. But mm. what was really interesting, because I was relate, I was talking about my experience of having young kids. And yeah. sort of, what do you do when you've got that responsibility? How much choice do you really mm. have? And I uh, published it and I had about 20 people within a couple of weeks contacting me saying, oh, I'm in exactly the same position as you. It's really interesting. I'm thinking did, about pivoting my can career. I, can I pause you for a second? Yeah. There's like three things that you touched on that are super important. One is that it's so important to allow for space and time in our lives because that's what we think. And when we think, we start doing different and interesting things because our schedule is yeah. not being forced by that drumbeat of employment or this business. So that, that, that space to think just sounds beautiful for you. The second is like having kids and it's such a selfless act on one hand, but it's a selfish one in another because it allows you to be more authentic in how you connect with people now, because by you sharing that, that's tidbit about the kid, it connected with people say, I can relate to that whole thing now, but it's the, the thing about the kids that got me emotionally invested into mm. what you're doing and and the the third thing like i'm just listening to you and i'm just like oh there's so many tidbits from it the third thing is like i'm i'm a massive journaler i actually call my journal a tracker and it's it's digital and and i literally tag like things to do with like emotions or family or or work and business or community and i've been doing it for about seven years so every six months i look back and i connect the dots in what i'm experiencing and i learn my biggest leaps in learning from doing that yeah so when, when i'm hearing you doing that i'm like oh i can totally relate i literally released a medium post about my tracker about three years ago funny enough did you? Oh, i'll send great. it to you after yeah do you just do that on a spreadsheet or have you do you use it i use notion i use an app called notion but it's basically like a yeah. spreadsheet like a table but it looks a lot yeah. prettier than using excel to do it which would be a bit dull so i always attach yeah. stuff like i would attach like a picture of this podcast maybe and write a blurb about it or like if someone sends me something on whatsapp i might screenshot it and attach it or take a video of my yeah. daughter i'll attach it so i see it as almost like an extension of my second brain or my memory i can't rely on my memory yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like this is the <laughs> kind of stuff like one day maybe my daughter will, will grow up and read through this stuff like a book you know yeah yeah well, do you know what? That's I've, I've, it's something I've done over the last couple of years as well, which is at the very least, at the end of the day, I try to capture a highlight because it's so easy. And I've started journaling and experimenting with it. And there's times where it's just an opportunity to get your thoughts out of your head. I think I find. But oh, it's also on those difficult days of which there are quite, there's, there's, yeah, there are a lot of challenging true. days, aren't there? Absolutely. But I try and have a highlight because within every day, there's something that you can be proud of. And yeah. what I found really amazing is reflecting even at the end of the week and say, oh, actually, I did achieve some stuff this week. And there's seven, there's a list of seven things that I can be proud of. But actually, here's the next other thing. I don't know if you've tried this. I've I've now started documenting something story worthy uh, within each day. So, yeah, I'll give you an example. Like my son's, my youngest is three, and he's at that stage where he can talk, but he's still working out what stuff means. Right, so he just says funny things, yeah, and you have to interpret <laughs> what he's saying. And sometimes it's completely out of context. So I've, I've got a lot of things where I, I've, I'm going to note something down. I think he's trying to say this but it came out like this. And I've, I built up this oh, wow. kind of memory of stories 
But what it does, I've got this sort of strange perception of time slowing down because whereas for years I felt like it's just everything's blurring, right? I've just times, it all merges together. And you say, what did you do three months ago? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't got a clue. Mm. Whereas now I can pinpoint, and I guess it's the same with a journal. Mm. I, I can read it back and say, I remember that exact moment. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a greater appreciation of time, isn't it? Because of all those little micro yeah. moments that you're, you're noting down. Exactly, yeah. So... I'm really interested because I have, this is the first time we've met, but as he, I've obviously done some research, I've looked at your LinkedIn profile and it's packed full of really interesting stuff. I'm really intrigued by how your career journey's taken its course and whether, whether it's been conscious the way you've planned it or whether you've just moved on from opportunity to opportunity and lived life in the, in the moment. How do, how do you approach it? I feel like I've, I've stumbled into purpose, you know? Right. Um, and I can't, I can't fully take credit for it because I've always believed from a young age that there's something greater at work than myself. You know, like my mum was very faithful and believed in God growing up and instilled that in me. And I think the, the two kind of blessings of that is one, it gave me like a humility and a gratitude for life and the appreciation of life every day. But also in accepting that, like I'm not fully in control. There's a lot of luck and other things at play that, that kind of like, like influence your journey. You know, so I'm not very egotistical around the fact that, oh, I did this or I did that, that led to an MBA, mm. not really. I think what, what people appreciate with me is that like, I'm, I'm, I try and be as authentic as possible and connect from a place of love to say, uh, yeah, I'm still Andy from Tottenham. I still speak the lingo, but I can also speak to you about like Far Eastern philosophy mm. or spirituality or building a business and yeah. investing into business. Like I can happily go in any direction with that conversation, um, but I'm still just me. You know, and I think that's yeah. what people appreciate nowadays, like being able to just connect with like real people, you know, and um, that sounds really egotistical me saying that, but yeah, no idea. What would you, when you say led by purpose, what, what do you mean specifically? Have you at some point literally written down what your purpose is, what life and work means to you? Mm. And then do you follow that? Or do you do you, what do you mean that I mean following the instinct? feeling. Yeah, following the feeling, yeah. but having feeling like you have a recurring nightmare almost in that oh, I'm being called to serve or I'm in I'm denying this call to serve. You know, like when I read things like the Bible and I read about stories like like Abraham and God asking Abraham like 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 basically saying to Abraham you and Sarah are really old but we're blessing you with a child you've waited all of these years we're going to bless you with a child oh yeah Abraham go and go and kill your child now for me show me how much you love me and he's basically going through this this act of like I'm about to kill my that child for God and God's like no hold up like you don't have to really do that but just the show of love that you had for me and that show of faithfulness and I feel like sometimes for me it's, it's been the same thing when I've looked through my tracker and I've looked back and connected the dots and I was like, oh, wait, in 2015, when I went to San Francisco, I started writing blogs so I could tell my friends back in Tottenham about startups and VC in a language they would understand because I, I had to right. translate it for myself. Yeah, and they'd yeah, appreciate yeah. that. And then I started a newsletter to share more stories about others in the ecosystem. And then I volunteered and was speaking at events and on podcasts about investing in black founders and why it's important and women and how to actually like reduce the power and influence that men have and give women back that empowerment that they deserve that we've taken away from them. And I just started talking about this stuff and it was coming naturally to me. It wasn't from scientific research, it was from lived experience. And yeah. I think I found it really difficult to, this is going to sound really weird, but I found it really difficult to step out of 
Andy is a management consultant. Andy is an entrepreneur. Andy is a product manager. And to know Andy is all of those things and more. And a full expression of myself is me connecting with people in this authentic way and democratizing access to opportunity for others. It's not actually a job title. It's just what I do. It took a long time for me to accept that truth because I was so conditioned going through school, feeling like I have to have qualifications to get to the next stage like college. I need to go to a university that's a good name or brand name. I need to work for a good brand employer. I need to work in a good role. And and it's like, hold on a second, that that whole system and that game is it's really interesting, but actually I don't fully agree with all of the mental models there. And how yeah. do I step away from that and step more into what I'm feeling? You know, so when I connect the dots at all of the little things that I did that really add up to where I am today, it's like I look back, it almost feels obvious. But mm. but when I was going through it, it was coming from a place of just authentically caring and caring deeply around a problem and a people and just pouring into yeah. that. In the same way a founder does when starting a business to solve a problem for a certain set of customers, except it wasn't a business. It was more just like a, a bit of a life calling. Does that make sense, yeah. Sonny? I know it's a bit. Yeah, no, no, it does. Yeah. And be, but because the reality is, and I guess this is part of your purpose and mission to to fix it or maybe not fix it, but certainly circumvent the constraints, which are like basically what you described there is the reality where to get the opportunity, some of the opportunities you've got, you did have to get the, the qualifications and get that first job Absolutely. and work for a big firm. And then suddenly those doors were opened. And from that point, you then had the confidence and maybe the connections to be able to join some dots, which helps people who are on their way up but the, the the question the big question is how do we create a system which doesn't rely upon those they're kind of old-fashioned ideas aren't they that everybody mm. should follow the same curriculum and be marked and judged in the same way at the, at the same age because if there's one thing I've seen through my own experience and my friends and family that system doesn't work for everybody wherever you're from right like it doesn't matter what background you're from the mm. curriculum the way the british schools are set up anyway absolutely it's just it's designed with one like fixed person in mind well it, you know you give a good example of schools and, and like we were sharing before like i've got a five four-year-old daughter um and i went to speak in her school the other week around entrepreneurship and it was so important on many levels for me to do that like she's the only black girl in her class one of two in her year you know like it, no one has gone into the school as entrepreneurs really it was like doctors and other like professions before I engaged yeah. them with technology I took a little robot for them to program and play with I wore a oh, Ghanaian nice. top for them to be exposed to culture and our origin story and it like I was trying to do my bit to contribute to that environment you know and I feel like we all have that opportunity like we could all go mm. into our kids schools if we want to when they're saying oh, our parents come through and like it would be good for the kids to learn a little bit more about what parents do. We could all go to that parents even and we could all apply to be on the governor's board. We can all do our bit to contribute to society. We can all do our bit to contribute even at home. You know, like mm. if you think about stay at home mums and like that whole power dynamic sometimes of like economically, they may feel like they depend on you. Like how do you empower her to economically have her own way? So that she doesn't yeah. depend on you. And if anything happens in the future, God forbid, or you get divorced, or she'll be fine. Like, I feel like we all have micro influence on our everyday lives, but sometimes we undervalue the difference that we can make. And like equal in the playing field is just about us thinking about the power that we possess and the privilege and how we can use that to address the inequalities and oppressions that we're aware of and that we care deeply about. You know, and there's, Mm. there's a lot that I don't do in other spaces that I could be doing, but I'm focusing a lot more 
on like what I deeply connected with, with and understand and empathize with in terms of women and people of color and this whole space of startups. But, you know, there's a lot more I could be doing, you know, again, like with transgender, with, you know, people with disabilities, with, you know, like, like Islamophobia, there's, there's a lot more we could all be doing, but as long as we're starting to all do our bit and chip away at the problem, I think that'll have a compound impact and make it for a better world for everyone long-term. Yeah. And the reality is there is only so much time in your day. So I guess you have to focus on the areas that you think you can make the, the biggest difference within the time constraints as well. Mm. Absolutely. But, yeah. but, you know, collaborating with people like, like coming on this platform with you, like it's all different ways for us to work together in, in, in getting a, a good message out there and helping to be signaled in a sea full of noise. Cause right now yeah. I think it's so hard for people online to figure out the truth, whether it's real news versus fake news, making a decision on who to vote for in politics, like making mm. a decision on where you stand with COVID or, you know, like it's such a confusing yeah world and sea of information right now like we need more signals of good news and positive news and 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 good information to feed people's minds yeah so you you like you strike me as quite a creative experimenter i don't know if that's right or not i was thinking about again whether sort of decisions you make have been conscious but do you think about experimentation as being an important part of your life and and i brought for me work and life can't be separated depending on the type of job you do right you know there's, i know there's some people who do just go to work to yeah but you're one and the same in both environments yeah yeah exactly and so i'm interested in in whether you think you know you've kind of actively chosen to experiment and try new things out or again if that's just a sort of personality trait which is has, has just naturally emerged over your career yeah i'm i'm someone who definitely feeds their curiosity and one of our family values is to continuously learn and what does that mean as an active thing rather than there's just some text on the wall and I think for me to continuously learn I always need feedback loops so every two mm. weeks I do like my own type of retrospective to inspect and adapt like oh what's going on in my tracker how have I been feeling what have I been doing what brings me energy what drains my energy what do I want to do yeah. more of what do I want to do less of and if and, and I genuinely believe if we as a family continue to do that activity individually and together we'll continue to get better and better and to improve as yeah. individuals and as humans. And I apply that when I'm coaching or supporting founders, like I'm the one that likes to talk about things like psychological safety and safe space and thinking through your values and your culture and thinking through actually how your decisions impact your employees and like buying a random ticket for a spa date for a founder and their mum so they can take some time off and, and take some time out of the business. Like, yeah, I care from that level. You know, but I can also talk to you about your metrics and about your growth and about your retention. But you get all of me. I can't compartmentalize it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm also going to probably be going pick up my daughter while I'm talking to you on the phone. Mm -hmm. And it's that blend of, yeah, this is a real person. And I think more of us need to bring that out in our day to day, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder whether the changes we've seen over the past couple of years and where sort of home life has to an extent merged with work. And I know there's people who've got concerns about that because in certain companies where they don't value the separation between, you know, in people's time, 
it's bled together, hasn't it? And it's not necessarily always been a positive thing. You've sort of seen burnout increase. But I do think that it's broken down some barriers as well for a lot of people. I think that idea, Absolutely. you know, that in industries you get suited and booted and go to the office and then you talk about work and mm. there was that whole thing of you don't bring home into the office. I think that's gone to an extent. And as I said, this negative sides, but definitely what you'd hope is that just as you've described, that idea about bringing your whole self to work, it becomes less of a cliche and just becomes a sort of reality where you can be who you want to be. Absolutely. And and riffing off what you just shared, um, we could talk all day, Ollie. It's easy, isn't it? <laughs> um, like, I definitely empathise with a lot of the negative sides. Like, like, if I lived in a one-bed flat and I was single and I had no garden and I was in a what I felt like was a box room all day I would find it challenging I would want a change of environment like I totally empathize with that for example but yeah. I also love the magic moments that have been happening like I'm speaking to you and a kid pops in and you're like oh what you got a kid oh. and, <laughs> and we go down this divergent path of me getting to actually know you because we're not just talking about work now or mm. I invest in a startup called Patch and they work on uh, work near home solutions so basically like really nice small type of we work in cold working offices right. in commuter belt towns like in Chelmsford. And for people that actually now have got into the groove of taking their kids to school or picking them up, super convenient. It's like it's a different space. Yeah. It's not home, but it's close to home and I can still do the pickup and the drop offs, you know. But then going into the office brings a lot of community like, oh, yeah, like, let's go football after work or like I miss these little micro conversations we used to have in the kitchen you know, and yeah. whatnot. So there's benefits to both. And I feel like we're moving into this hybrid type of state where like, we're learning to, it's accelerated and forced some companies to learn how to figure out working from home. And now yeah. we're doing like three days in, two days off. And these kind of like hybrid moves to, to make it work for both the company and the individual. Yeah. You mentioned community there. I'm interested what role communities played in your life, like generally, and whether that's influenced how you think about cultivating community through your work and particularly through this, the, the startup founders that you work with. And, and Absolutely. Coach. It's a great question. Um, I don't know if you have these written down or you're just riffing off of the conversation. That's how good that question was. Um, <laughs> so like there's an African proverb that says that it takes a village to raise a child. And growing up, I, I'm of Ghanaian origin and Tottenham's a very multicultural and unique place, as you know, because you've lived there. And in Tottenham, like going primary school and li living there meant like I was friends with the guy from Bangladesh, from Hong Kong, from Ireland, from Turkey and from Somalia. And that was really normal. It was really yeah. normal. Oh. It's only when I got into the world of work where I was like, this doesn't look like Tottenham. This is a bit weird. Why are people <laughs> treating each other like this? Why is it? Yeah. You know, I started asking questions that I previously didn't have to consider. And mm. also, like, in Tottenham, there's a, a massive, like, Ghanaian population where I originate from. So you get local stores that will sell, like, your yams and your plantains. I'd go to a community party growing up and I'd see cousins and friends and people that I thought were cousins, but really are just friends of the family. And, and that formed that togetherness in that community and that initial network. So I think a lot of that influences my thinking nowadays around how do we form ties with people that are authentic, that enable yeah. us to actually form community in the different like walks of life whether it's you're coaching your son's football team and there's a community there as well as your community at work as well as your community of creatives where you're doing work like this podcast like there's all different communities that we can pour into in different ways and connect in different ways mm. and on a practical basis do you 
bring the founders together, like to, to connect with one another and help them out? How does it, how do you cultivate that from sort of day to day? Because I guess you're working with pretty early stage business owners and first time founders. Is that right? Yeah, I think with founders, like I always see the value added from three perspectives as an investor. First and foremost is, is the ability to, to provide capital. And on the one hand, capital is commoditized. You can get it from a lot of places. On the other hand, there's certain people that don't have access to capital and there's not a lot of places they can get that capital mm. from. The second is really in understanding the, the knowledge gaps of the founder and plugging those knowledge gaps. So a lot of my career I spent as a management consultant and a, a products manager. So I've got a unique perspective on how to build products that people love. And I get to fill those knowledge gaps with the founders by you know, supporting them with that but also stepping in and helping them with things like interviews or spending time with their team on the as the aspects where I have knowledge. And the third yeah. aspect is on, on like, like network, giving them access to a network, whether it's making introductions to investors that can invest in a future round, whether it's getting their, their, their jobs out there that they're putting on social media for hiring opportunities, whether it's, you know, making introductions to relevant customers or partners that can help them get the traction they need and the proof that they're solving a problem worth solving at scale. Like that's the third value add. And, and actually like a part of me is like, that's the most important almost like being mm. able to really add value and be an extension of the team and a true partner along this journey. And instead of treating it like this hierarchy of I'm empowering, you're over here. Actually, we're both on the same level and I'm here because I want to have fun, learn along this journey and support you because I believe in you and what you're doing. You know, yeah. like even that that concept of like, I believe in you and in what you're doing. You'll be surprised how many children and kids don't hear that. So to even be able to say that to another human, whether an adult or a child, it does something to the physiology. It does something to your energy. It's like, wow, like he believes I believe in myself. Oh, I love that. Like I'm going to riff off that. And sometimes mm -hmm. language is something that we need to pay attention to in how we speak to our, our children, to our colleagues to like our parents, like language is so important. And I'm starting to appreciate a lot more actually, like how influential it can be using the right language and in interactions with people. Yeah, I, I read a great book actually a couple of years ago, just around the time, if it was just as COVID was kicking off. Um, and it was by two authors, one guy, Stu Friedman, who set up the Work Life Institute at Wharton University. Mm. And his co-author was Alyssa Westering, and she was one of my first podcast guests. And what they wrote, it was called, oh, God, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Parents Who Lead. So what they were oh, saying wow. is, you, there are, like, so we have both worked within business. You know, you study these You've been a management consultant. There's frameworks left, right, and center, aren't they? Depending what stage of growth you're at, here's a framework you can yeah. use to, to yeah. sort of design your organizational structure. But actually, when it comes to parenting, you're sort of left <laughs> to work it out, aren't you? And see, they wrote this really brilliant book, which was basically saying, look, all the leadership lessons we were use work in yeah. the workplace, you can apply those to parenting. And actually, to an extent, it's vice versa as well. You know, you think about the way that you're nurturing your kids there's a pretty simple parallel there to how you can nurture other people, whether it's founders you're working with or whether it's someone you're managing in your team. I'm, I'm interested whether actually there's any lessons you've learned since you've become a dad about how you've, and how that's translated to your interactions with people. Do you see the world differently? So now you've many. Got a, a oh, youngster, yeah. So many, so many. Um, first is, is like, as humans, we go through these stages of, as a baby, being fully dependent on our mother. Like, we need milk, we need to be nurtured, we need to be looked after or else we can't survive. Then we go through the stage of, like, independence when we're teenagers and we just want to rebel and just, like, be by ourselves. 
Then as adults, once you get into partnership with a partner, a wife, a husband, a husband, a husband, like then we go into this stage of interdependence where it's like, wait, we need to learn how to coexist together. And there's an added mm. layer of complexity when you have children because then it's about selflessness. I can't be fully selfish. I can't just be thinking about what, like getting promoted or earning more money or traveling on these holidays with the lads. Like there's an element of our life where like we have to be selfless, like in order to pour into our children. And I think that element of selflessness actually ties really well into empathy. Like how do you step mm. into someone's shoes understand their perspective and as you know like kids especially at the age of two or three might as well be talking latin they're, they're really trying to speak to you but they can't so you've got to try and figure out like what do they want like how can i stop them crying like how can i make them happy how can i teach them this new thing like reading this word or this letter like and it takes that creativity but also that empathy to really step into their shoes and in my work life i try and do the same like especially on a first encounter like i think it's really important to find those ties where we connect personally, like, oh, Ollie's from Tottenham. I can tell Ollie's a lad too. Oh, Ollie's a parent as well. Oh, Ollie's been on this transformational journey where he sacrificed his old life to become the new Ollie and he's kind of going through that journey now. I can relate on all of those strands so we can pull on those strands. You know, and I look for that in my interactions with everyone. And I don't know if that's unique to me or if it's just the way that I see the world, but I'm always thinking like there's more that the more that unites us and divides us as humanity, we just have to find those common ties. So let's try and get there as quick as possible so we can build off that as a foundation. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you just described is having a high level of empathy. That is being able, as you said, to walk in someone else's shoes and building connections. And I must say, I have built far better connections with new people since I've been able to do it, mm. ironically, through a screen. Because and it's not. I'm not saying that if I didn't see you in person, it wouldn't be great. Because I think there's a different dynamic when you see someone in the flesh and you get literally get the 3D 3D version of them, and it's a different. You can vibe off each other in a different way. Yeah. But I think because I even uh, you know I think we were chatting earlier on. You know, I, in many ways, you might consider me an extrovert. I'm quite happy speaking in front of people and being on stage. But there's lots of ways I'm introverted as well. Absolutely. And I think actually, what's digital communications done is reduce friction from starting new relationships with people and you might not get quite as deep a connection but you can connect all the same but I think empathy has been the defining skill of anybody who's thrived during the last couple of years because in many ways it's been really difficult but if you've been able to either cultivate use that skill in some way and definitely improve on it it's definitely made life easier and I certainly I think from a management point of view yeah, those companies that have got empathetic leaders and empathetic mm. managers tend to be the ones with the workforce which are happier. And well, one thing, just one thing off the back of what you said as well is that um, I think one of the hardest things sometimes for an empathetic leader, especially an entrepreneur or freelancer, is when you step away from a paid job, you now have agency and autonomy of your time, but it means that like the schedule is yours. There's no one enforcing mm. a schedule on you. And you have to become really disciplined with your time and saying no. And it's really hard when you have a lot of empathy and you want to be there for people, you want to connect mm -hmm. with people, but you also need to say no to protect your time and to be more focused with how you're spending your time. You know, so yeah. I put intentional time in my calendar to protect myself because I know that I can overextend in saying, oh yeah, okay, let's have a catch up. Or yes, when sometimes that's more in service to that person than myself, but I just love 
connecting in this way with people, but commercially, I'm not even going to be able to have an income for my family if I just spend all day just having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I actually start planning my days with when I'm going to do some exercise and when I'm making sure yeah. that I've got time to meditate that. or make, take time to, to read because I, I know if I don't that I, I've, got, I've, got, you know, I've had recurring back problems, right? When my back goes, I can't do anything. So unless I look after it, then everything goes to pot. So, you know, and I think the same thing. I'm interested, actually, as you mentioned there, do you, you literally set time aside for those moments of reflection say do you yeah. put just blocks of time in a diary to do it absolutely so I, I'm an early riser I love the mornings there's something still and quiet about the mornings that I love so during that time is when I try and do my exercise whether I go for a run do a home workout or go for a swim I love swimming mm. and and that's when I do my meditation just like think and reflect and then I have a spiritual time where I try and just pray and connect to something deeper and that time in the morning is sacred because it really sets the tone for the day and it's the pace for the day. And then at the end of the day, you know, after we have our prayers and I put my daughter to sleep, I'll reflect in my journal again and just add anything into that journal that I want to reflect on what's going on today, you know, just to close out the day. And that constant micro actions every day that's now become a habit and part of my routine, um, I just feel better for. I feel like I'm becoming a better human by just having that activity yeah. of, like tracking things, putting it down and reflecting on them and creating space to do that and honoring that. Yeah. What about learning? I know you said that ongoing learning is really important to you. Are you somebody who learns through reading? Do you do put yourself into, I don't know, like I'm doing a cohort-based course at the moment just because I did one last year and it really pushed me. And I thought, you know mm. what, just for 30 days, I'm going to just put myself out of my comfort zone so it's good for me occasionally uh, i need to, to, I need like to get you on our angel investing school cohort based course you'll love oh it. yeah 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 definitely, definitely. Um, uh, or, or i was gonna say or are you just do, do you learn by doing do you have a sort of idea structure about it or do you just let let it flow i just let it flow like the, that's the right word to use actually like i, I sometimes talk about this this Taoism uh, concept of wu wei which is effortless action which is going with the flow you know, the flow of the water, the water poured into a bottle becomes a bottle, poured into a cup becomes a cup. You know, it's like, I just want to go with the flow of where, where the lessons are coming from. I'm more training myself on how to pay attention so that I don't miss the lessons. You know, so whether I'm reading a book or watching a video or part of a cohort-based course, like I'm trying to be really present so I can pay attention and take in what I've learned. And again, putting that into my tracker to, to really put down what I'm feeling and thinking in those moments so that I can really reflect on the thoughts and the feelings. Um, because it's very hard sometimes when you're, you're just transacting to, to not think about the, the underlying thoughts and feelings, like what I mentioned before around what brings me energy or drains me my energy. Um, and I, it's often during those, those moments of reflecting on the thoughts and feelings where I can start connecting the learning with something I'm experiencing. You know, so yeah. I could be learning about writing and actually like it influences how I write copy now for the angel investing school business or it influences actually some writing that I'm doing in my journal or influences how I think about journaling. So those are the common strands that I can only tie if I, if I create space to reflect and be present in, in that learning experience. Mm. Yeah, it's, that's so interesting. And you literally, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Without that time for reflection, your brain would never have the space, never have the opportunity to make those new connections, which most, well, there's, there is a definition of creativity about making new connections um, between mm. different things, different ideas, existing ideas. Um, no, like, so, I'll give you know, an example, it, actually, around that whole 
like connections and connecting things. Um, I had a conversation earlier today and someone was talking through a bike ride that they're doing across Europe to meet different founders and to stay at their right. homes across that journey. It sounds like a, a super interesting trip. Yeah, um, kind of like Romania and Poland and stuff. And he was telling me about this trip and I was asking him like, oh, like what can I do to support you? And I said, actually, that's really hard to answer. Like, just keep on talking. And as he kept on talking, I was like, oh yeah, I can introduce you to this person. Oh yeah, I can introduce you to that person. But I wouldn't have reached that moment from asking that question, what can you do for me? I only reached that moment by actually asking him questions so he can carry on talking, you know, yeah, and then yeah, being yeah. present in that conversation. Oh, yeah, go in Poland. This person's Polish. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make an introduction, you know, and that's just the way my mind works. Actually, you're making me jump back to something you said earlier on about language. So I'm interested whether you see significant difference between the idea of community and networking and where they cross over so you mentioned earlier on like one part of your role is to give access to your network to, mm. to founders who might not otherwise have it but also we talked about the importance of building a community with which can support each other let's think about it. do those theme where do they overlap and where are they distinct oh a distinct difference that came to mind immediately was you can network with someone and it's actually transactional. I want to get this out of you. But when you form community with someone, it's nurturing an ongoing relationship over a long duration of time. It's a very different dynamic. I pour into you, you pour into me, but we're not doing it for that. We're just mm. doing it because we're a part of the community. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's the major difference for me. You know. So often, like I've I've not often actually, rarely, but I've been to networking events where they've intentionally created certain icebreaker games. And there's intentionally people that are in the room connecting people. Oh, I must introduce you to this person. I must. And they're really like, like pastoral care. They're like the ones right. that are ensuring that we're shepherding the right people to the right people. There's a reason and a purpose to why I brought you into this room. So there's going to be some serendipity, but actually at a minimum, you're going to meet a few people that I want you to meet. It's yeah. really hard to do that at scale. Like, but it's the value of having, like that, like even now with the angel investing school, one of the things I think deeply about is the cliff. After the course, after that community-based course and that experience, and you know what it's like, it's like, oh, that was amazing. I met some great people. Then what? Yeah. And it's like you actually need someone that reaches out every few months, saying, "Oh, Ollie, I'd love to connect you with Andy because actually Andy's doing this thing and giving your podcast. I think you know we'll have a great like conversation. Like what yeah. Liz did for us, you know? Yeah. Or or someone to say actually there's this person in the cohort that's just finished the course and given what journey you went through, I think they could really benefit from time with you. And what I love most is when I hear the cohorts naturally having those connections, like, Oh yeah, I mm. catch up with Luke every I catch up with Justin every, when I'm hearing that, I'm like, yeah, this, this is speaking to the purpose of why we create in this space in the first place. Yeah. So what's next then? Have you got a kind of long-term vision for what you want to achieve? And, it, and does it just completely hook into that purpose you talked about earlier on? Yeah, so, so short-term, I'm running this angel investing school, which is all about democratizing access to investing into startups and really seeing the people that are creating the innovations in society as well as the people invested in these innovations looking a lot more representative to the society that we live in. And in the long term, that's really where I want to get to normalizing society, equalizing the playing field. I'm just taking this avenue or this channel in order to get there. You know, and in doing so, I'm going to probably collaborate with others because it's not a, a solo journey. It's going to take multiple players to really shift and make a difference. I've just focused my starting point, given the network and the knowledge uh, 
or information advantage that I had in this space. Yeah. Great. Well, look, I've loved chatting. We'll do it again for sure. Absolutely. We'll do, we'll, do another, we'll do another session. Absolutely. Is there anything Absolutely. else before we, before we wrap up, Andy? Is there anything else you want to share with uh, with Yeah, listeners? of course. Like, depending on when this comes out, but we run public courses to widen participation and really make it inclusive for people every April and September. And those are eight-week co-work-based courses with different angel investors, VC investors, and founders leading on each week of that course. And then we've got a really, really value-aligned community of growth-minded angel investors, around 250 now who really deeply care and just like connecting with each other and all of you that come and join that community as well. So be above and beyond just investing to startups, actually it's a great group of folk to be a part of. Cool. And um, I'm going to stick links to your website on the show notes so they'll be able to find uh, a connection to there as well. Thank you. And we recently actually released an on-demand course. So we had a lot of feedback around people that are either parents or work demanding jobs or live in Hong Kong and Australia. So we've got an on-demand version of the course, which is angelinvestingschool.com forward slash OD. Nice one. Cheers, Andy. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Andy. I loved that. Such a lovely bloke and really interesting conversation. He's doing some amazing work. As I said at the top, I'll put links in the show notes to Andy's LinkedIn profile and to the Angel Investment School. I've got another really interesting podcast for you next week. It's with a startup founder who's been on an incredibly interesting journey, which took her from the World Bank to the world of blankets. So until then, have a great week. I'll see you soon.